God is so good, isn't he? Isn't God good? And it's good to be in his house. It's good to be together. I just want to open right away to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And actually want to read um, most of the entire chapter there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I just want to start with just reading it. Who knows the word is powerful? The word says of itself that it's living. Did you know that? That the word is living. It's living. It's alive. It's still alive today. It was penned thousands of years ago, and yet today the word is still just as alive as when it was penned. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? And so as we read it, there's life within it. Don't just uh, listen or read along as if you know this, but read it afresh. Let your spirit be ministered to today. And um, I just want to pick up here 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I guess we'll pick up in uh, verse 4. It says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit, everybody say the same spirit, is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways but is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else. The the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. It says the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one, everybody say one, whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. 
So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together. God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together. Let's read verse 27 together. All of us together are Christ's body, and each of us is a part of it. All of us together are Christ's body, and each of us is a part of it. And I just want to go into a sermon here that the Lord has given me from this, and I just... I had already been thinking, I almost preached this last week, and then I felt the Holy Spirit wanted to preach about faith one more week, so we looked at Gideon, and then this week we came into our weekly Bible study, and I had already had 1 Corinthians started. I had already started working on it last week, and it was already there uh, as a sermon that I had begun working on, and then we talked about the body uh, and we've been doing this Bible study on Tuesdays anyway, and it is the body, so in sense, every week is this, but specifically referencing to 1 Corinthians 12. So I knew that the Holy Spirit wanted to bring this together for this week. And so I just want to say a few things. We are all parts of one body. An individual is incomplete. Say, I am incomplete. As you know that you are not the fullness of Christ. <laughs> You've been taught, maybe, as a mature Christian, that you are the fullness of Christ, and that is a lie. The fullness of Christ is the... Come on. It's not a trick question. We're already getting into this. Are we paying attention this morning? It is the body of Christ. You are... I want you to say this out loud. I am only a cell. You are one tiny, 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 tiny part of the whole body of Christ. The body of Christ. You are one part. Do you know what one cell is by itself? Do you know it carries all the DNA of the other cells? Do you know you can take any cell, right? We can find, so you can watch CSI and all these other shows, right? And they can just get something, just some blood, some skin, a hair, etc., left behind. They can actually get the DNA, right? They can actually find that this, that's the same person that's sitting right here just from one piece of hair. Your DNA, the DNA of Christ, is in every single cell. But do you know what one cell is by itself? Nothing. <laughs> you know that one cell by itself, are we hearing this today? One cell of the body by itself is irrelevant. The only reason that that cell matters is if it cleaves to the body. It is so important that we are a body. In fact, I truly believe from the Lord this week, I've already, it's, this is not a revelation that you don't know. Some words are super exciting to preach. This is more maybe just, uh, uh, I think, what do we call that? Brick and iron, is that it? Uh, brick and mortar. 
This is more of a brick and mortar sermon. We are irrelevant. God cares about you. He loves each of you so much. But in the grand scheme of the earth, we are irrelevant by ourselves and alone. We are only who we are because we are part of the body. In fact, do you know what a cell that doesn't want to be a part of the body does? Do you know what happens to that cell? It dies. In fact, do you know that it's the purpose of the body that when a cell decides to rebel against the body, do you know what the body is supposed to do? Right? It's the antibodies, and it's beyond me. I'm, I'm going to throw out some terms, but it's bigger and greater than what I understand. But we know antibodies, right? The cell that rebels is cancer. It's a cancer. And unless the body will immediately try to heal itself. It's funny. I had no intention of getting sick to preach this sermon, but I had already had the content, and I started not feeling great yesterday, and I thought, wow, this is really funny. This will really create the picture. <laughs> my body right now, my immune system right now, it's just a cold. Thank you, Lord. Just a cold. There is no cure for the cold. I just, I looked it up. There is no cure. When you take medicine for a cold, all you're doing is helping yourself feel better while your own immune system, and you can do things to boost your immune system, but your immune system has to cure the cold. There is no pill or medicine for the colds. Your body is doing it on its own. God has designed the body to heal itself. Isn't that incredible that God has made the human body, even sometimes we're fragile, right? We cut and we bruise and we break, but God has also designed it to heal. And the Bible says, here we saw in Corinthians, and you can find it in many other passages, which I hope to get to today, that the body, the human body, is also just like the body of Christ. He uses the human body as a picture of what it means to be in Christ. And so the Bible says that we are parts of the body. You are only a part. You are only a cell. You are not the body of Christ on your own. You are not the temple of Christ on your own. We are parts of the temple. We together make up the temple. And this has been, this is something that we know as Christians, but I really feel like the Lord is almost, you know when you get a revelation, who's ever had a revelation from God? And all that means is, is that all of a sudden what you've been reading and what you've understood in the Word for so long, now it just starts to become alive. All of a sudden it becomes real. Like, like you read those verses and you either read them in deception before and today all of a sudden those verses, they're alive. Or um, you uh, just read it and knew it, but now there's a brand new knowing of it. And I just feel like the Lord has really revealed this recently, and he's been revealing it to this church of how important the body is. I want to just take that back. It's not that it's important. It's that there is no other way. You are not a Christian without the body. I want to be as bold to say that because when I really start, not to use my human logic and, and to pay, take verses out of context, but when I really read the whole context of the Word of God, 
The whole context of the word of God, what I keep discovering over and over again is that God made us together. Even Adam, what does it say? God made Adam and he was incomplete without Eve. He was incomplete. He, he needed a helper. <clears throat> he needed someone to help him do what God asked him to do. So God made him a helpmate. And the two, the Bible says that when a man leaves his parents and is cleaved to a woman, the two flesh become one. That means that before you were cleaved to your husband or wife, you were a half. You were a part. The two flesh became one flesh. And the same says in Ephesians 5 that we must cleave to Christ, that it's a mystery. I don't know how. He says, I, Paul says, I can't understand it. And Paul was unmarried, so he certainly couldn't understand it. But there is a cleaving to Christ that creates the fullness. And ultimately, it is not just you and Christ, but it is you and your brothers and sisters and Christ. And Jesus showed us that when he washed the disciples' feet, and then he said, and I want you to do the same thing for each other. I want you to care for each other. I want you to be one with each other. I want you to love each other. We were joking last week. We read in the Bible study, greet each other with a brotherly kiss. We want you to love each other as I have loved you. That is the fullness of Christ. In fact, Jesus said, do you know that while we're waiting for the world to finally recognize Christ, the Bible actually tells us what will get the world's attention. You know what the Bible says? It says that when we've become one, that when our unity together, that we are truly love each other, it says that once we truly love each other, that the world will recognize that we are his. That's when they'll recognize Christ. We are the body together. And so the body is the complete picture of many, many cells that make up the parts. And uh, in our natural human body, we have many systems. We have our circulatory system, our digestive system, our immune system, and so on, right? There are many systems that are all working together in unison, right? They're all working perfectly. Do you know that God has made your body to work perfectly? That when your body is imperfect, do you know that's not God? Right? No one can point their finger at God. We, we call that the fall of man. The sin of man caused an imperfection right in the bodies. And it's exactly the same in the church. When there is an imperfection, when there is a fall, when the body is not functioning properly, we can never, ever blame God. God made man in his own image. And God doesn't make imperfect vessels. God made perfection. Right? Humanity messed that up. Joined with Satan, right? Humanity joined with Satan and in his pride and in his ways caused a destruction for us. And again, I've said many times that if Adam, the original Adam didn't do it, then we would have at this point. I just want to go into a few things. I just want to make a few points today. And I won't keep you for very long today. In fact, can I have one of those, please? I want to just firstly establish this. Everybody say this out loud. Christ is the head. The Bible says in the book of Colossians 
that Christ, verse 18 of chapter 1, says that Christ is also head of the church. Everybody say Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. Christ is the head of his body. Everybody say, he is the head, and it is his body. It says he is the beginning, the supreme, he's over all who rise from the dead, so he is the first in everything. And then Colossians chapter 2 says in verse 19, and they are not connected to Christ. It's the end of the last verse. It says, Christ is the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. I want to firstly establish today that Christ is the head. I think sometimes as Christians, we're too flippant about what this is. And I'm not just talking about what we do on a Sunday as we gather, but as the body, and, and I really believe as our Bible study has really been trying to crack this, been trying to crack this idea open that is that we are, you're not Christian seven days a week, but you are the body of Christ seven days a week. I think sometimes we're Christians all week, but then we come together, right, for moments of togetherness. But that's not really the Bible, if you really, really look at the Bible, I mean, as soon as Jesus ascends to heaven and it releases the Holy Spirit, right, what do we find them doing? They were together constantly. They were sharing everything they had. They were one. As many parts, they were one. We need to go back to the very beginning and not try to copy a model of the American church or the Western church or any church except for the church of the Bible. And there are many things that the churches of the West, the churches of America have done. Even worldwide, the Lord is very, very, <clears throat> the Lord is very, very proud of what the American church has done for the world. Honestly, most of the missionary work of the world has been sent out. I mean, people can say what they want about America, but <clears throat> most of this of the missionaries were sent out from the Americas, from North America, from the USA specifically, and then obviously uh, the Western world as well. But they can knock it, but God has used it supernaturally. It has been used so supernaturally, and I just want to thank those before me, those, those men and women. And, and so they may have had flaws and there might be uh, uh, models in, those, in, their, in the way they did church that I don't want to try to copy, but I must honor them, right? So we're not knocking any of the churches that exist today or have existed, right? Men and women have done amazing things for God, even in a flawed system and are still even today. That's why you don't hear me coming against, and that's why I don't mention names. I never mention other pastors or other, even other sects of Christianity on purpose because I don't understand, if I'm an ear, what the eye is talking about when he says he can see. Did you ever wonder this, right? 
He's like, I can see so clearly. I'm only an ear or vice versa. He's telling me I can hear so clearly. And I'm like, I don't understand that part of the body of Christ. All I can understand is what I'm seeing. Hearing doesn't even make sense. All you can do is describe it to me. So there is a much bigger picture to the body of Christ than I think Christians understand. And I wonder if a lot of our fighting amongst the denominations and fighting even within the church is perspective. I wonder if we're looking within our little cell and trying to figure this whole body out within one cell. And it's so much bigger than you could possibly ever see within yourself. It's so much bigger than this room, than this group of people that is a cell. You know, even this is not even a part. I mean, in one sense, God has hands and feet and, and eyes and ears in this building. But in the greater sense, he doesn't call each church. God doesn't have uh, 30,000 different bodies, right? The denominations today, 30,000 different bodies of Christ. He has one body. Everybody say he has one body. And there are many things that we do not understand about each other as different parts of Christ, but we need to learn to just let those be, let those differences be, and we need to learn to have the commonality, which is that we are part of Jesus. And not to be honest, you don't have to be best friends with somebody that you disagree with in the kingdom, but you are called to love them. You are called to pray for them. If you truly believe that somebody who calls himself a Christian is not being a Christian, you have one obligation, that is to pray for them and to love them and to bless them. Jesus said, even the world loves its own. Even the world takes care of its own. Imagine God's hurt, God's sorrow when he looks at the church of the world and sees all the bickering and the fighting and within the kingdom of God of a supposed single body. Do you know what that would look like if we were to take that body of Christ and put it under a microscope? If it's truly a body and if he's truly comparing it to a human body, do you know what this body of Christ would look like? Complete and utter chaos, sick and wretched and miserable and poor. And yes, I did quote Revelation on purpose because that's exactly what it would look like. Do you know, we though don't have to be that. We can be the healing of the body. We can choose to submit to Christ because he is the head. Come on, he is the head. We can choose to submit to the head of Jesus Christ. We can choose to be a cell of healing, a cell of love. Do you know that if a body that is cancerous, right? Come on, the body of Christ is cancerous. Let's not be in denial that there are many, many flaws and many errors across the world. I'm not denying that. But if we just point our finger and accuse it, and that's all we ever do, do you know that that body, you know what happens to cancer that's unchecked? It just keeps growing. And the way that we check it is not just to cut it out. Let the surgeon do that. <laughs> Come on. Can the body 
itself, right? The body, what it's going to do is surround that thing, surround those errors, surround that flaw with more of the good. Come on, the good cells surround that foreign cell. And there's a miracle testimony in that just this week that we, I just heard. An actual physical body, that's exactly what the body did, what it's supposed to do, is surround that cancer with life. We need to start surrounding when we sense cancer, when we sense off, when we sense issues, when we sense that the body is sick, we are called to love it, to care for it, to pray for it, to fast for it, to stand in the gap for it. And we can go through the entire word And every single great man or woman of God never ever thought about themselves. They may have thought at moments of themselves rather, but their grand, the grand picture to their lives was that they stood in the gap for their other brothers and sisters. Every single great, every patriarch, every man or woman of faith in the word. I think I could preach this a lot better if my voice would let me. I want to preach this stronger. Ah, Thank you, Holy Spirit. Every single one of them, it's a picture of them standing in the gap. And so at first, if we recognize that Jesus is the head, I think we would look at the body so much differently. If we would realize that, wow, that brother and sister over there, they're a part of Jesus. I mean, I'm not trying to be weird, but that just gives me goosebumps right now. I mean, literally, as soon as I say those words, that brother and sister is an equal part of Jesus. You know what we do, though? We pick it apart. (laughs) We pick, 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 pick it apart. And you know what happens when we pick apart? (laughs) Anybody ever picked a scab? Come on, this is very easy to understand. This is like children's church today. What happens when you pick a scab? Are you helping the body? Best thing to do is let the thing be. Because the body within itself will heal itself. Actually, what the body's doing is getting the toxins out so that the good cells are preserved underneath there, right? And so that good cells have a chance to grow. They're protected. They're kept out from the elements. They're kept from the sun and from germs and disease. And so that good can grow. And then finally, what is truly dead will shed itself. That's why Jesus said, don't go and try to separate the wheat from the tares. If you do that, you are bound to pluck up good wheat. As soon as we, that's why Christians, listen, the more we fight with each other, the world looks at us like we're insane. How can you believe in a Jesus that has 30,000 different denominations? I don't blame the world for not understanding. Truly, can we really blame the world for not wanting to be a part of a body that has 30,000 different denominations? We were never meant to be so torn and broken apart. Listen, there was 12 tribes of Israel, but they were one Israel. All right, we can be many parts, but we should instead be loving and supporting and encouraging and blessing and and praying for instead of tearing down. I think that we've torn down, and I honestly believe that it hurts Christ. If we would understand that, it's the, that Christ is the head, that this is not just a assembling. We're not just assembling because we chose to today, but that this is the body, that we are a part of Christ's very body. I think that's incredible. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit let that sink in deeper. I don't want to keep pounding 
that thought, I want to move on here to the next thing, is that point number two is that 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11. 1 Corinthians 12, let's go back into 12 now. And I read the whole thing because I wanted, I really feel like the word says it all. I just want to break apart a few of the important parts I feel like the Holy Spirit had for us today. And it says that everybody say, it is the one and only Holy Spirit who distributes the gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. First thing I want you to notice is that Christ is the head. This is his body, and it is Christ's body. You're not just part of a group and part of a social club. It is Christ, and Christ, being the head through the Holy Spirit, has decided who you are. That you are who Christ made you to be. Do you know that exactly who you are? It doesn't mean that all your gifts have been used yet doesn't mean that you have tapped into those gifts within you yet. There's so much more to all of us, really. And we were just talking about the other day that there are many levels and layers to us that really, I don't like to use a new age word, but evolve. I don't mean it in an evolution sense, but they, they do evolve. They do grow. They become greater and they become more. And Jeannie will tell you her testimony is that she couldn't talk. She was so nervous she'd wanted to throw up before she speaks. And you would never, ever pick that up today, would you? We laugh at that. That's a joke today. But that is the reality. So the Lord did grow it. So I'm not saying that every single one of you in here are using all of your gifts to the fullest potential today. But I want you to know that what is in you and who you are is who God made you to be. That the Holy Spirit has decided. I think if we would learn the second point, that not just that Christ is the head, but that the Holy Spirit is in control, I think we would be much more settled as believers. If we would realize that the Holy Spirit has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us, and it's different than the other, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but just like it says, <clears throat> if there are two eyes... That makes sense, but if there are three eyes, we would get weirded out by that, wouldn't we? So maybe God has two eyes, and someone else is a nose, and someone else is an ear, and someone else is a little baby toe. And we all look going, well, you know, I'm greater than you. Let's look at the list. If you look at the list, you know, I'm, I'm here, and you're there, and this hierarchical list of, you know, who's in control and charge and bigger and smaller and all. Every single one of us are all there because Christ placed us there. And the Holy Spirit decided, listen, he decided before you ever decided who you are. All you need to do is be who you are. And I think that we would be so much freer as believers if we listen to this second point and realize that the Holy Spirit is in control. <clears throat> I don't need to be anything other than what he made me to be. But I also want to be everything he made me to be. Let's hear that again. I don't need to be anything else than what he made me to be. And that's for each of you. But I want to be everything that he made me to be. I think if we got this figured out, the body would function. He alone decides which gift each person should have. It says in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 12, that the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up 
one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some are Jews. That means that some of you maybe came from a more established, more religious background. Some are Gentiles. That means some of you knew nothing. You just came into the kingdom. And some are slaves, some are free. These are all different types of people, all different backgrounds, all different stories. It says that we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we are all share the same spirit. I think if we understood this, that not only is Christ the head, but that we have the same spirit, that all of us, We're all so different, and yet the Holy Spirit says it's the same Spirit working in all of us. I think if we realize this, the body would be the body like Christ envisioned it, like God envisioned it all along. I'm just going to move quickly here. Number three, God is in control, and He has placed us where we belong. So the Holy Spirit has done it. Christ is the head. We're in this body somewhere where he has dictated as as far as what our function is. But also, not just your function. Come on. Did you know that there, you could go to any church around the world and you're going to find a similar function to you in those cells of the body? You could go anywhere in the world and you're going to find somebody just like you. You're the person who does this in the church. You're the encourager of the church. You're the person who does more of the speaking, but you're the person who does more of the figuring out how can we get this thing to function in an orderly fashion and get people together consistently. But you're going to find somebody like you in every single church across the world because the function is the same, but then it says that God is in control. It says, verse 18 of of 1 Corinthians 12, our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. I think we would be so settled if we would just come to this realization that I'm where God placed me. I don't know how I got here. In fact, if I told you my natural story, this is just, I'm just creating a rhetorical and and ideas, not me necessarily, but let's just say I'm only here because of a series of mistakes. This is not even what I intended. I didn't even set out to get here or in this place. You need to understand that God has put you. And I think we would be so much more settled and the body would function so much more properly if we would realize that you are where God placed you. And so many times we're looking and thinking, I did this and I did that and we need all this faith and, and then I made this decision and then I picked, I sat down and I Google searched it and, and then I figured out and then I went through and analyzed and I was like, well, this pastor, I like this and I like this music and I like all this and, and we kind of like fit ourselves into this place. That's not how it works. God has fit each part where he wants it. You know, we'd be so much more settled as believers if we would realize, I'm not going to try to be what I want to be because maybe there's already an eye here, but it's undeniable that God's got me here. He doesn't need another eye. Maybe God needs a pinky toe. 
as I mentioned earlier. We need to start to be settled in what God has made you to be and not try to be, come on, I'm, I'm a mouth, that's like, that's my job. I could care less about that. I mean, honestly, if you really know me, if you really know me, I could care less. I would, except that I would offend God, I would easily step aside and not be the mouth. I used to say that, God, I will follow you anywhere. I will do whatever you want. I want to be submitted to you. At 15 years old, I said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you want. But there's one job I don't want. That's to be a pastor. I can honestly say today that I get so much more fulfillment and I love you and I love his, his church as a whole so much. It is insane how much love. It is, it's insane because it's beyond me. It's greater than me. It's bigger than me how much I love his church and I love to share in this position. But I'm telling you, if it were up to me and I had planned it from the beginning, I would have never... That's just, that's not what I want. I don't need that. And sometimes everybody looks at a church and they go, I want, to, I want to be the mouth. I want to be a mouth. And we got a hundred mouths. Come on, we need some people to be ears and we need some people to be pinky toes. We need some people to be hands. Everybody wants to be the mouth and no one wants to be the hand. You know, it takes hands too. In fact, the hand does the work to get to the mouth, to feed the mouth, and et cetera. We can use our imagination on how the body, the human body works together and the spiritual kingdom body works together. We'd be so much more settled if we realized that God has placed us where we are and that the abilities within us are spirit-inspired, that Christ is the head, spirit has inspired it, and God has placed us there, we'd be so settled and the body would be so, function so much more smoothly. Are we making any sense today? In fact, Ephesians 4, 16, and some people use this as some sort of list. I highly disagree with that theology. Uh, Ephesians 4, 16 because it starts talking about the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, and the pastors, and so on. Uh, it, those, that specific list is there, but so on, because the word says more than those parts. It's not some sort of list of like, you know, if you, oh, they used to, I used to hear this in church. You ready? If you're faithful at opening the door, just greeting people, one day you'll be a pastor. And that's just ridiculous. In the sense that there is a serving that must be as soon as you are a believer, you are a servant. You are a servant. So it's not wrong because you're just a brand new believer. You're obviously not going to be someone necessarily speaking from a pulpit yet. So yes, you may be that person. But to be honest, that may be your job for the rest of your life. And you need to learn to be settled with that and not think you're some sort of less because you're not the orator. That's making sense to anybody. Your job might just be to take care of children. Your job might be to clean. And I know that sounds so demeaning, but in the kingdom of God, it's not because Jesus said, if you want to be greatest in my kingdom, then be the least here on earth. And that's what we just read. He said, even the hidden things, we take the most care for the hidden, the unseen parts of the kingdom of God, the unseen parts of the body, right? The mouth gets a lot. The mouth, everybody sees it, everybody hears it. Hear it too much. 
the hands and the eyes and all these visual things. We think that's the church. Meanwhile, not to be weird, but the reproductive parts, that's what, he's, that's what they're talking about. That's the parts you cover are hidden. We don't even know how it works. All of a sudden, someone else says, I want to know Jesus too. We think it was the orator. It wasn't just the orator. It was so many parts working behind the scenes. It was the faithful love of somebody just doing a simple unseen service for somebody that brought reproduction. His body is so important that, it, that we get it right because our time is running out and we're like, we're running on one part or like two parts. <laughs> and we wonder why it's not running right because it's so, and then everybody's looking going, well, I'm not that part, so I have no part. No, you just need to be who you are and stop looking at everybody else, stop worrying about everybody else and just be the part that God made you to be. You'd be so much more settled. I'm not going to get through all this, but <clears throat> But I'm going to go into one more part, and it's part number four. And I think this will, actually, this will be good for today. Point number four is that, I want you to say this out loud with me. It's not about me. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Everybody say this verse out loud. 12, verse 7 says, it says, a spiritual gift is given to, let's read this out loud. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help ourselves. The only reason you have even been given a gift is not for a show. It is not to bring yourself fame. It is not to bring yourself glory. It is to bring help to your brothers and sisters. You have one job. No matter what the job is, no matter how great or little it looks like to the world, the whole purpose to you in the body of Christ is to help one another. That's it. We have such a simple commission. This is who I am. And I don't fully know who that is yet. This is you and Christ. So Lord, you unravel the real gifts of me like I expressed because don't just assume that just who you are today is who you are because Jeannie thought she would never speak and then she speaks a lot. Her husband would say too much, like me, like my wife would say about me. Don't just assume that who you are today is who you are in the kingdom yet, but go to the Lord like this. Lord, I want to be all that you've asked me to be. I want to be every part. I want to be every single part of me. I want it to be used for you. You do that. You just settle that. And God will place you where he wants you to be, where he wants you to be. And it might seem like, man, how did I get here? This doesn't seem right. This is not what I wanted. This is not what I thought. You just need to get over that right now. If you think your Christian life and your place in the kingdom is some magical thing like, man, one day I'll be on that, that some big giant stage somewhere. Or I'll be doing this for God or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go be a missionary to millions. You're already off. If you were truly a missionary, then go reach your neighbor. Then go in the grocery store and reach the person right there at the register. 
it's not about us. So many times we think, well, that is about serving. That's about the millions. But if we really, really boil it down, we don't even realize that there's pride in there, that it was actually for our own. We wanted to do something great. You know, God is not impressed by great. God is not impressed. You know what he's impressed by? A willing and obedient, humble heart. And then God does great things. <laughs> There's many men and women who have done great things. I mean, mighty things that we're just like, wow. And that's amazing. But they either A, have done it because they were humble and low and they just were willing to let God be God and God fit them and placed them and used them, or they went and did it in their own strength. And the Bible tells us clearly you get no credit for that. In fact, he says he tries your works with fire. And when he tries it, if it was him, it endures into eternity. But if it was you, it's burned up and lost. And it says you enter heaven smelling of smoke. It's not about you. It says it's been given to help each other. Ephesians 4 verse 11 through 13 says... These are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip. It's not to lead. I mean, there is a general leading. Listen, it is God's kingdom. It's the way that God does it. There is a time of leading, right? I'm here leading you today, but my ultimate purpose is not to lead you for 60 years, my purpose, as with every part of the kingdom of God, is to equip. There's a responsibility to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. The gifts that God has in you, they are not for you, but they are to build up your brothers and sisters, build up the church. As soon as you find yourself tearing stuff down, that could be in so many ways, I'll let the Holy Spirit show you in what ways you might be tearing down, but as soon as you find yourself tearing down, you should instantly know, I'm not doing what the Lord has asked me to do. Because he asked me to equip and to build up and it says in verse 13, and I'll close with this. This will continue. God is doing something in you and through you to bring a unity in our faith and the knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up, and we looked at this just recently, to the full and complete standard of Christ let me say this as, as just one final thing to wrap it all up. If Christ is the head, then what should his body look like? It's not rocket science. If Christ is the head, then the body should look like Christ. So many times, as I said, the world looks at it and says, if that's Christ, I don't want to be any part of it. If that's what a Christian is, then I don't want to be any part of it. And you know, we need to take responsibility for that. That's not Jesus' fault. And sometimes I tell people, 
don't blame Jesus for my failures and for pastor's failures and other, look to him, just look past us and look past our failures and look to him, please look to him and his love and his grace and his mercy. Don't look at us, but we need to start taking responsibility for that and being who he's asked to be so that we would be a better representation because the whole purpose of being like Christ is to lead them to him. Amen.